Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 45. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. A quick reminder after the episode, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free, that's right, a free digital subscription to the Rootless Living magazine, and you can also purchase a print subscription as well. Today I'm talking to Amy, and on this episode we go over what it's like having a bricks and sticks business and home, and still finding ways to live rootless. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Amy to the show. Amy, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thanks for asking. Where are you in the world right now? I am actually sitting in my house, staring at my motorhome parked in the driveway, wishing I could be in it right now. So that is where I am. That is a good lead into the next question. Are you full-time, part-time, or sometime? Well, at this point, we are sometimes with the goal at some point to be full-time. We are business owners in our little town here in West Michigan and have been camping for a long time. That translates to the full-time being the goal with a little dose of reality pushed in there. We're working towards that and that'll eventually come. In the meantime, we get away as often as we can. That's awesome. Well, then let's talk about when did you guys get the RV? And then real quick too, we were saying we, there's another person, but they're not on the show today. (laughs) <laughs> that is correct. Yes, my partner, whose name also happens to be Amy. So we are Amy and Amy. Our names are spelled differently, but you certainly can't tell when it rolls off the tongue. We are partners in business, partners in life, and certainly partners when we hit the road in the motorhome, which we'll talk about probably a little bit later today. That sounds good. I just want to make sure in case we start referring to we and Amy, I didn't want people thinking you have a second personality that you refer to by name. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's very good clarification. <laughs> I wanted to make sure. When did you guys purchase the RV? Well, this specific one we picked up, we traded in for this specific one we've got now in February, February 28th of this year, right before the world went wacky. As far as how long we've been RVing or camping, I have been camping since 1984, just most of my life. I think I was 12. I've been doing that. And as with with my family, as a kid, and then, you know, you grow up, you kind of launch into the world. It went away a little bit, but then I started tenting and then we started pop-uping and then motorhomes. So actively, I'll say since 2004, we've been doing regular active camping activities, whether in a tent, a pop-up or a motorhome. You know, it's funny, I do, and this is just my own opinion, there is no right or wrong answer into the term camping, but I definitely do believe tenting and pop-up is still within camping. I do have a hard time saying that my 40-foot fifth wheel that is literally a condo on wheels with, you know, plasma TVs that roll up and down, it's hard for me to classify that as camping. Yes, I have to completely agree with you. I still call it that, although, as you just stated, we both know it's really like living in a condo that moves. It's my second home. Camping is definitely more the travel trailer, pop-up tent lifestyle. So if you're still doing that out there and listening, kudos to you because that's the real deal. (laughs) Without a doubt. That's hard to do full-time. I mean, if you're talking about real camping, that's hard to do full-time. There is a mixture of when you're in a motorhome and you are staying at campgrounds. I do get that people look at that as vacation. They look at that as camping. But obviously, when you're full-timing, it's a little different. So the objective is to go full-time. Will it be to sell the home or will you still keep a home base? Uh, The objective would be to sell the home, sell as much stuff. They never warn you about this when you transition into young adulthood, into middle age, kind of where I'm landing right now. Nobody ever warns you that your house becomes full of stuff. 
It just does. And I don't like it. I am looking forward to the day that it can all be sold. We'll take that money, put it in the little kitty and probably travel on that money when it's time. So I will be getting rid of everything that I possibly can, with the exception of, of course, some childhood mementos and certain things that are the most important. I don't think that we'll be getting a storage unit either. I don't think we're going to do that. I think we just want to get as free as we can and get in that motorhome and and go and see the country and maybe beyond. You bring up a really good point, and it's been something that's been touched on in this podcast. But unfortunately, I feel like it's a little bit of preaching to the choir. I think currently the majority of my listeners are people that are either part-time, sometime, or full-time. And they've already realized this idea of but we have too much stuff. And trust me, I'm trying to figure out like, how do I get that message out to those that aren't full-time and part-time sometime? And they might never ever, they don't realize having how much all that stuff weighs them down. And then we've been sold that America dream. That's a complete con. We don't need all that stuff. It really does start to control you and weigh you down. Yeah, it really does. I completely agree. Again, America is built on consumerism. And yes, that's good from a business standpoint. That's good because we want people to buy and we want to make money and, you know, all of that capitalism and all that's really good. But look around you. Um, I recently heard someone talk about as they were paring down, starting to close off rooms in their house, they would literally empty that room over there, close the door and not use it anymore and do the next room. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I've never thought about that. You think I'm going to sell everything. I don't know if I could empty a room today and do that. I have to, at some point, make that happen. What really is a challenge between what we think we can do and what I can actually do. Those of us campers or full-timers who have done that, I think it takes an immense amount of strength and willpower to be able to say, gosh, I picked this couch out, this beautiful couch out six years ago, and I'm going to sell it to a stranger. How do you do that? But it's something that has to be done if you want to reach your goal. It's an exercise in willpower, but you do that to achieve your goal. The goal is going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but eventually, yes, I'll be starting to close off rooms in my house when we, when we really get to that point that it's time. How big of a home do you currently have? Probably about 3,500 square foot, you you know, main floor and upstairs. Wow. So that's not a tiny home by any means. And what's the square footage of your RV? We have a 2008 Monaco Diplomat and it is a 40 foot. I think it's meant to be lived in. It certainly isn't a camper. It's a condo on wheels, as you had referred to earlier. And I do see it that way. It's definitely overkill. It satisfies the goal. And we have traded up over the years to this. This coach has a basement where you can store storage bins and stuff. I mean, it still does not compare at all to the house and and the closets and the rooms and that full basement that we've got there. It'll be a transition, but it is one of the larger motorhomes out there right now. Yeah, but even best case scenario, you're going from 3,500 square feet to maybe 400 square feet, but then obviously with a little bit of storage area. I totally relate to what you're saying because when I was first on the road, I was at, let's say, a state park and someone's looking at my 42-foot fifth wheel. I wanted to make sure they were very aware that this wasn't my weekend rig. I didn't need this much space to just go out for the weekend. Yeah, and A, do I really care what they think? And then B, I I guess I kind of do. How do you express that though? I guess you say, well, I live in this. I do. Or I'm most, I'm most time in this. Yeah, is, that, is that how you handle that? Yeah, without a doubt. Well, because a lot of times people will see my like South Dakota plates and they're like, oh, you're from South Dakota. I'm like, no, I'm originally from Los Angeles, but you know, I transferred over once I went nomad. I live in it full time. And there is that kind of moment of you live in that full time. And then it makes sense. I'm with you. I really don't care what people think. It is funny that if I can have the conversation, when I see people walking by and pointing at it, they're like, look at the size of this thing. And you know, they're pointing at it from their pop-up. 
I get how you could see that I'm a guy that needs a 40. And then if you're listening and you are someone that needs a 40 footer to go on the weekend, more power to you. I mean, I don't, that's your money. That's your life. I don't care. But it is funny that we do have those conversations where we want people to know this is all I have. Yes, exactly. This is all I have. I think that's the key phrase right there. This is it. This is where I live. I think people sometimes think I do a ton of history research on people that I have on the show. I want it to really feel like I walked outside of the RV and we met. I'm just trying to figure out who you are. Majority of my guests have had zero RV experience. The majority of my guests don't have another dwelling besides the RV and or their transition from the house to the RV was really quick. And so in all those areas, you're a little different. And I almost wonder if the downsizing is going to be harder because it's not the Band-Aid ripoff moment. It's not like you've got 90 days to make this happen. You're doing it with a transition time. But is there a, hey, look, by this date, we have to be on the road? No, there isn't. There absolutely is not. It 100% depends on our business and what we want. And you know what? That's, that's a really good question because we're just small business. We have two little businesses. One's a lot bigger than the other. The other one's kind of a side we own a gymnastics center here in our town and we are the big gym, even though we're in relatively small in the, in the gymnastics world. We're the big gym. Every year we go camping for two weeks in August, which we just got back from this about two weeks ago. We do a review of the year that is finished. We do a vision of what's coming up in our next year. But most importantly, the first question we ask ourselves is, do I want to do this again for another year? We always give ourselves an out with the goal of being full-time coupled with just plain being a business owner. I think every business owner should ask themselves that and everybody who is full-time, even if you're punching a clock, it doesn't matter. Do you still want to be doing this for one more year? I think everybody should give themselves that out because if your heart isn't in it, you've got to do something about it. I know this from firsthand experience. It is good advice, but it sounds like in your business, it almost takes a one-year commitment. Is what you have going on seasonal or is it something you could sell at any time? Um, all of that. <laughs> so let me clarify. Let me clarify. I can sell anytime I want. We have no debt. We can close the door tomorrow. We are under no lease because we've already satisfied that. We're month to month. All of our possessions in all that equipment can be sold and liquidated out. I mean, we if we decided to do it, we could be out in 30 days. So knowing that and having that behind us because we have satisfied a commercial lease... That makes us, and we don't own the building, key point. So that does give us a lot more versatility versus some other business owners that may be in that position. However, you referencing seasonal, we do run year round, but gymnastics, just like any sport, is seasonal and we follow the school year. And it's very fluctuating as far as amount of business that comes in and how busy we are. Starting in September, everybody's enrolling their kids for classes. We're very, very busy. That's not a month that I would ever take off to go camping. I wouldn't ever take two weeks off in September. Never, ever. I can't. Come around to the new year and then we always take spring break week off. And sometimes I can add a week. So it's seasonal. And then come summertime, we're on the shores of Lake Michigan. Our town is a resort town. People come here for vacation. And those who live here host their families. So our families who bring their kids to us say, no, we can't come to class this summer. We're partying at the beach. You know, we're, we're going, having our family in. Our business is much lighter at that point. Because it fluctuates like this, it gives us some flexibility. And in August, yes, we can decide, I only want to do this for one more year if we want. Most of the time, we haven't made that decision because here we are still. That kind of brings together the idea of us asking ourselves that question each year. 
do I still want to be doing this or do I want to take off in my motorhome and, and start this new chapter? So we have identified the next chapter. When we're going to get there, I do not know, but we know what that chapter will be when we are at that point. Well, that's a great answer. I think for a lot of people too, I think the idea of reevaluating things too every year. So no matter what it is in your life, whether it's the car you drive, the stuff you own, the couch you've had six years, like to have those conversations about, do you really need these things in your life anymore? Is something we've just never been taught. We've never been taught to like really self-evaluate that way and figure out what's best for us. Now, I do want to bring up a side point that I don't have any data behind this thesis. I have a DIA that Damien has. I call these D's thoughts every once in a while. But as someone that raised four kids that were heavily involved in sports, I remember growing up, sports were not year round. I was an athlete that got to play all three sports. My boys really were only able to just focus in on basketball. You know, that's just what the programs, the AAU and the coaches. And I remember one time thinking, I wish as a society, we took July off from sports. I just wish every level, they just said from high school to collegiate to little league, they just said there can't be any practicing or anything in the month of July to almost force families to be together. Now with sports, it's the entire calendar now. I agree. Yeah. Okay. That's what I wanted to find out. Even though that someone has a business that's in and around this, And I think it would be really great for our coaches and our trainers and things like that if they knew too that they had like an 11 month kind of calendar and they knew that the month of July in the summer, they're not putting that pressure on parents and parents aren't putting that pressure on them. And then you guys would get a month off too and it wouldn't shut business down. It's one of those things. I don't remember this in the 70s and 80s. I don't remember this idea that when basketball ended in January, it didn't pick back up until August. Yeah, you're exactly right on. And I totally agree. What's happened is, and I'm part of the problem, actually, you've got now club sports. I'm not affiliated with schools. Schools, they have a season, you're done. I played three sports. I probably played more than that in high school. But now you've got private club sports. You got travel everything, travel soccer, travel hockey, travel baseball, travel basketball, travel gymnastics. You got everything. So your kid, you'd be carting your kid around the state 12 months out of the year. As for me, I think that that would be a wonderful piece of good news if we were to say July is a down month for everybody. You know, the other thing that we see is that, as for me, with all the parents that I talk to, the other trouble that we're getting into with kids is that they've got activities every single night after school. I mean, four nights a week, sometimes five, often four, usually three. That's like average. And then like you, I go back and remember, well, I have youth group on Tuesday nights or I had softball practice during its season. There was only like, maybe if I was busy, it'd be two things. And these kids are six years old, seven, eight, getting carted around four nights a week after school. I think this is a fun rabbit trail. I mean, it really is a little bit of a rabbit trail from normal in this podcast. But when I talk to people too, about like, what's the difference in your lifestyle, especially now that you're full-time, I don't think that their mind, especially when they have kids or don't have kids, They're not adding all the time in commuting. They're not adding up all the time in yard work and house chores and getting kids to and from things and birthday parties and all this stuff that we would do. It's not that it's not important, but it's not to the point where it should take up such a huge chunk of our life in all those different little areas. And once you remove that, that's the part where people sometimes they get bored, I would say, because they just don't know. Now that they're remote, it's like, well, I spend at least two hours a day at the water cooler talking to people and we can't do that anymore. Whatever the little area is that is really different. I think it's funny that people can't pinpoint that. And I'm learning over time now where I think people, as I see them being frustrated with what's going on with COVID, where they're not having family birthdays and these things they would have all the time. I'm like, well, I haven't been doing that for a while. That's weird. I didn't have that kind of stress to figure out how to get there to get the odd birthdays. You know, like I'm the guy that likes to celebrate my fives. 
is 46 really a birthday we have to celebrate? It's like 21 I get. It's just one of those things. Yeah, that's a good point. Just to cap that conversation off real quick, we did go down a rabbit trail, but I can kind of connect the dots here. We've sort of been on a a quote unquote shutdown for a little while. Our lives have slowed down. I think that's really important. If you want to keep your life slowed down, know what choices you really want. Maybe you don't want your kid busy four nights a week. Maybe it's for selfish reasons. You don't want to be the one driving around and waiting three hours at practice and then coming home. We can definitely keep our lives slowed down. And if we can slow down our lives, maybe we can go camping more. Without a doubt. And I do think it's funny, just generational. There was a time in our generation where kids could go and do those things by themselves without parents, but we didn't. And now you're in a generation where your kid can't get on a bike and go for a three mile ride to get to the gym or where they're supposed to. Now you're doing this after school stuff and you're the one driving them. It's really weird too, that there was a time where this would have made a lot of sense because the kids could just go do it on their own. Now that a parent has to drive them everywhere, now we're doing it. It's an interesting rabbit trail. And I just feel like if, if parents are listening and you're thinking about this lifestyle for some reason, that's one of the things that's going to free up so much time that you probably don't even realize is really stressing you out, even if you're managing it well and doing it well. Now, I do want to transition back real quick because, I mean, the magazine's called Rootless. The podcast is called Rootless. And I think people will be like, well, Damien, look, you're having someone on your show that not only has a home, but then also has a brick and mortar business. Those are rooted. I didn't want to call the magazine full-time RVers just because I have people that do something different than RVing. But the idea of Rootless has nothing to do with owning property or not owning property. I want to own property at some point again. I want to have a homestead and still have the RV life. But it's what you're talking about. It's finding the most fluid lifestyle for you. And it sounds like you're working through not only you know having a brick and mortar kind of business, having obviously a, a very large home, but then also finding times and opportunity to get on the road and working towards that. What's the biggest challenge, do you think, to get you to full time? I guess the biggest challenge at this point is me not knowing when that day is. And I suppose I could slap an age on it. I'm 48 today. Maybe I say when I'm 55, I want to be done doing this. I can always do that. But at the same time, if things in my life are going well, I'm not going to get off a winning racehorse. I have to allow myself some fluidity to make those choices and not put a drop dead date on this. For me, that's for me. Others aren't like that. Others are going to be like, this is all I've been planning on. We're going to do it no matter what. You go for it. That's fantastic. There has to be a little bit of fluidity for my specific situation. The most important thing is my partner and I are on the same page. We have identified what our next chapter is. We both want to do it. We both don't know when. And for both of us, that's okay. We know that's where we're headed right now. Eventually, we will be there. I do love that you brought in the, you know, the idea of there is no right or wrong way to do this. There is no right or wrong kind of timing in a sense. And I think a lot of people get caught up that maybe they're listening and they're like, well, I couldn't do it that way. I'd have to have a drop dead date. That's fine. That's you. And that's totally okay. Like she said, but there are people listening. Like, I totally agree with that. I just know that I want to do this, but it doesn't feel a hundred percent right to just yank everything, sell the house, sell the business and go. So you do want to really be kind of fluid. Having a business where you're impacting kids, is that hard to move away from that area? Just because I feel like... You know, these are kids that have probably been in your program for a long time. Is that going to be weird to get out and maybe not see them? Is the idea to come back seasonally? When you guys think about it, what does that look like? It would be hard to separate from that. However, you know, the kids do go through our program. For our specific gym, you start 18 months and we go all the way through to 18 years. Depending on when you start, if you want to stay in it, we grow these kids. So we do see them grow and change over time. And the few of them that go into competitive gymnastics... 
we see a whole lot more. I mean, they basically drop their kids off to us and they're with us the same amount that the parents see them. We do form these strong bonds with these kids. As far as driving away one day, that's my goal, but that's not my goal to get away from them or get away from the town. That's my own personal, I got to start working on my own bucket list goal. I'm sure we will come back and see that. I'm sure we will come visit. We've been in this town doing this for about 11 years now. We do have graduates who have gone through our program and the door is always open for those kids. As long as we're there, as long as they can find Amy and Amy, even if it's at a campsite somewhere, even if they hit us up and we're, we're in Florida or something, the door is always open to these kids, no matter their age. Hopefully that message is coming across to them. We certainly make sure that they know that now. But driving away one day probably won't be easy. It's just something that it's going to have to happen for me to be happy looking back on my life. Yeah. And are you thinking about doing it as a retirement? Would you still work on the road? What are the thought processes and conversations about that? Because I mean, you, you dropped the age 55. 55 is still extremely young and there's still so much life ahead of you. Would you be retired or would you try to find a way to work on the road? Yeah, we'd be working on the road. I'm totally fine with it. And I know that. Um, I don't know if we'll, we'll probably do work camping for a little while, see how that goes. I don't know if I'll have some type of other remote job. I'm totally open to whatever the universe throws my way as far as that. But I know we will have to work for a little while. That's fine. There's a lot of the world we want to see. And if that's what it takes, then that's what will happen. I think a lot of people think they need to figure it all out ahead of time, too. I mean, I, I look back even to my roommate, Nikki. She saved up a bunch of money and she knew she wanted to do the first 90 days where she wasn't working and then try to figure out what it is that she would do from the road, which... I think a lot of people think that's like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute, but it's not. It really isn't. That's what's cool about this lifestyle. As you mentioned, work camping, you can default to that pretty quickly. You could move into a town and probably find a good part-time, full-time job if you needed to, even if you couldn't find remote. I definitely want to encourage people. And I think, you know, that's what I'm hearing from you too, in a way is you'll figure out a way once it's time to go, it's time to go and you'll make it work. Because otherwise, if you wait for it to be perfect or you wait for it to be the exact time, you'll probably never go. Exactly. There won't ever be a perfect time. It just doesn't exist. I mean, it's no different than saying, when I'm 24, I want to have two kids. Well, let's set yourself up for disappointment here because there is no drop dead date and there can't be. You got to be able to go with the flow. We don't know what's going to change. For you and I, never in our lives would we have predicted some type of pandemic that would close things down the way we've seen. Never in anybody's life who is probably listening to this right now. We never could have predicted that. And it's changed everything. Part of what it's done for me is give me time to look introspectively and go, do I want to be living in this house? I mean, it's made me question everything. Times definitely change. You can't have hard dates on things because more than likely you will just be disappointed. And we don't want that. We just want to be able to go with the flow. You'll make the right decisions. The right opportunities will come your way when it's time. And you have to trust that that's how it's going to go. It will unfold before you as your path of least resistance. And that's the way you got to go. Without a doubt. Let's go back to really quick your experience in RVing. It, it kind of sounded like there's been a bunch of different rigs in your life or different ways of camping. I mean, besides tent, how many different types of RVs have you had or used over the years? We started in, bought a tent, a big old tent, had a disaster with that, caught in a terrible storm, decided we're never doing that again. We went back to the campsite, went to our spot. The tent was underwater. I mean, it was just a, just a complete disaster. So we're like, all right, we want hard sides now. <laughs> so we went to pop-up, did that for a couple years. And then we started using it more. And I was working like 60 hours a week. And so was Amy. We were finding with a pop-up, 
that no matter when I got off work on a Friday, even if I got off an hour or two early, it was packing the cars, packing up the kitchen, and the pop-up doesn't hardly hold anything. I mean, it holds very little. We'd always get to our campsite in the dark. We'd be setting up in the dark. You completely lose that whole Friday night. That just got old, and we were like, you know what? If we get either a hard side camper or a motorhome, all we got to do is plug and play. We can load up during the week. Friday, 4 o'clock rolls around. I get home from work. We leave 30 minutes later. Suddenly, all you're doing is parking the motorhome, plugging in, and you're sitting in your chair at the campsite. I loved it. (laughs) That's kind of was that evolution for us. We had that motorhome. It was a Four Winds 5000. We bought that new. We had that from 2007 until 2015. And then we traded in for a Thor Ace, which was a Class A entry-level model. It had some upgrades. It was really nice, but there ended up being a lot of things that were going wrong with that. We had that for five years. And then just in February, probably close to a year, I was looking for something going, we got to get ourselves out of this motorhome. We all know they're going to require maintenance. Little things are always going to go wrong. You know, it was like in a shop time after time. It was almost back to back, back to back to back. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. I found our current rig, traded it in. That, that completely went seamless. And we didn't think that was going to be able to happen for financial reasons. Something surprising came through. We were able to do it. That's what we've got today. And it's been absolutely wonderful. Definitely the right move. But once again, we had to wait. I couldn't say, I want to trade in my motorhome by January 1st of 2020. I couldn't do that. We just had to wait for this thing to come to us. And finally, the right one showed up and it all worked out. That's kind of the evolution. We're in class A's now. And I don't know if it'll always be that way. And honestly, once we hit the road, we know we want to do a few years on the road. But I don't know if we're going to be on the road more than more than four or five years. I don't know. Yeah. All this makes a lot of sense. I mean, you bring up some good points in the sense that one of the conversations I always talk about is when you're doing it like on weekends or rentals, it can be really stressful to the point where it can almost discourage you. And I remember with my own parents, and I might've talked about this in the podcast is they bought a cabin up at Lake Gregory. And I noticed it changed from them when they decided to fully furnish the cabin with everything that they needed clothes wise and toiletries and, you know, just things like that, that literally when they left their house in Los Angeles, they just grabbed their wallet, their keys, their purse, their phones, and they left. And so to your point, you know, Friday afternoon, you know, you're getting out of work, you get in the car, you drive to the cabin, everything you need's there. You're not missing anything or losing anything. And it really does make the transition a lot easier. And that's why I talk about sometimes and part-times, because I feel like there's still people that for whatever reason, whether they have a you know, a nine to five job or whatever it is that they can still have this lifestyle, especially if the, the vehicle's on property, like what you're saying yours is where you can literally Friday at whatever closing time is you're in the rig, you're headed, you're driving. When you get there, you're all ready to go. There was none of this packing, unpacking, except for probably a couple little things. It is a different experience for people if they can do that. It is. And we've had random campers come up to us and say, Hey, I really like your motorhome. I've been thinking about it. And I'm like, well, what are you in right now? And and if they're in, you know, even a hard side, a hard side trailer, at least you can pack up. But if they're in a pop-up or something less, we're like, you know, you, you really need to consider it because think about this, you know, in the whole story you just said, it's just plug and play. It, it changes things dramatically as far as making things seamless and, and much more simple, actually getting out. I recommend it. I try to encourage people too, because I've talked about where when we bought the rig, we bought it in late April of 2017, but I couldn't leave until June 1st, 2017. It was very difficult finding storage in Southern California. 
when I talked to the storage yard guy, he was like, you know, maybe 85, 90% of these rigs never leave. I see that could happen where it's like, you're, you love the idea, you love the concept, you buy it, but now it's not on your property. So the day before you go get it, can't, do you have a space on the property? Like that whole transition seems like it would be really cumbersome and awful. The other side of it is the rental. I mean, when people say, should I buy a class A or a fifth wheel? And someone says to them, well, you should rent them and try them out. I'm always like, that's really hard too, because those are empty and you're trying to remember to bring everything and you don't even know what to bring. We've all done that on vacation. We've all, hey, we're going to rent this beach house and we get there and Someone's like, I'm ready to open wine. And there's not a wine opener. You know no, what I mean? That's exactly yeah. the item I was going to say. No corkscrew. Oh, man. Quick, somebody find a find one. Exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> then someone's running to a grocery store and then you just have those moments. And then I also feel like when people get back from this you know, experience and there's a lot of learning curve, if you haven't really done it too, you're just exhausted. And then to this, then someone say to you, hey, you ever thought about full timing? Oh, my gosh, we rented and went to Yellowstone once. It was a nightmare. I would never do this full time. And I'm almost like, hey, that's not the way to look at, you know, if you could do this. It's the same thing with vacations. I feel like when people when you go to let's say Hawaii, when you're in Hawaii for a week, you're trying to check all these things off in a list because you realize it costs you two hundred ten dollars a day to be in Hawaii. You're going to get the most you can out of your two hundred ten. And you're just going to exhaust yourself trying to do everything. But if you somehow could be in Hawaii for a month and do the same things you tried to do over a week, over a month, it's going to feel like a vacation. You're not going to be as stressed. And that's what I try to encourage people with, too. Yeah, it's all perspective, isn't it? <laughs> and, and setting yourself up for, for success, you know, having realistic expectations and, you know, going camping for a weekend if you're working full time still. I mean, it's just a total tease the pre-planning and then you get home Sunday night and do you want to unpack? Um, it's definitely, I'm going to circle back. Do you want to be doing what you're doing for the next year? I'm going to circle right back to that. And, you know, camping has been a way to add some richness and some peace back into life. And I highly, highly value that. It helps best if you and your partner can both value that. I know that's not always the case. If that's something that someone values, you just, you, you gotta go camping. You gotta go do it. Give yourself that luxury of sitting in a chair and leaving your phone inside. Just sit outside for the next four hours. That kind of segues into something that we've been doing. In Michigan here, it got, it got nicer weather in June. So March, April, May, um, pretty cold. But we've been doing a lot of driveway camping because I can't always get away. And I don't always wanna be spending the bank account on campsites. We do our fair share of boondocking, but we do a lot of driveway camping. And let me tell you, if I go from my living room in the house where there's stuff and there's, you know, we have a table that's basically like the office. We have a table that that's where the stuff to do is for the businesses and personal. If I take the family and my family is my partner and our two little doggies and we walk out, it's about 30 yards, 40 yards out to the motorhome and you walk into that motorhome and you take that first deep breath, you are instantly calmed. It is night and day. So I encourage people, to, if you've got room on your property, if you're lucky enough to have room, go driveway camp, level yourself, put the awning out, put some chairs out, grab a nice tea, whatever you enjoy, driveway camp, do it. <laughs> I love it. No, it, it is. It, it's a big shift. I think, don't think people really see it and realize it. And, you know, talking to you, I started thinking of one of old D's thoughts was 
what if we didn't work Monday through Friday? I don't know who decided on that, but what if our schedule was Monday through Thursday? I had a job at Kinko's. And for those that are you're young that are listening, that's now FedEx office. But I had this job at Kinko's where we worked for 10 hour days and I was off Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And I remember taking, you know, some Friday vacations. And so Thursday at like 3 p.m., I was off work until Monday night. It's always stuck with me where who came up with the eight hour day where most people work more than eight hour days? Why does it have to be five on two off? Why can't it be? You know, I, and I even look at like, you know, I mean, I know it's in the news right now. I've always talked about even, you know, our postal service. I've always talked about in order to be delivering six days a week, you need to have at least two shifts. There's no one person that can work six days a week. It's too much. And I've always been like, I don't need my mail six days a week. I'm sorry. If I need something in emergency, I'll pay an extra fee. It can come four days a week. I just don't know where we made that mistake as a society where we felt five on two off was the way to go. I agree. And I've, I've had that same exact thought. I know that feeling. And I would take four tens over five eights any day of the week if that's what it had to be. I totally agree. We don't need the mail every day. We, we, the mail every other day would be fine. Without a doubt. And I even look at like, you know, especially a lot of our first responders, a lot of them are working three 12 hour shifts. The majority, especially the firemen that I've met in my life have a side hustle because they're working three 12 hours in a row. They get their full 40, even though it's 36. I don't understand why we as a society, you know, whether it's the, my little dumb July idea where everything's shut down in July or whether it's, you know, the reason we're working five days a week is killing us because I think about if I ever hired employees again, the idea of, let's say, having Fridays off, we just work Monday through Thursday. Most people, especially when you're in sales, you can't even get a hold of someone on a Friday. They are already in weekend mode anyway, so nobody's working. But if I knew my employees could spend Fridays, you know, doing the kids things at schools, maybe the parent teacher conferences, maybe dentist appointments, maybe run errands, and then your whole weekend's ahead. It's not even really about the camping. and you know, when I think about these things, that's where my, like my rootless mind goes to where it's like, I just don't understand why we were taught that we need 3,500 square feet, that we were taught that we have to work 60 hours a week, you know, like who taught us that? And we all, and you brought it up in the beginning, which I loved was the stuff, like who taught us that if we have a room, we have to put things in there. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I don't know. Something happened and, and poof, here we are. <laughs> Why can't it be a Zen room? Why can't it just be a room with just a chair and we just go and sit in there? Like, let's be honest. If you went to someone's house and they gave you a tour and they opened a room and there's nothing in there, would you think, oh, this is where they're going to murder me? Like, that's literally legitimately what you would yes. think. What's wrong yes. here? Right. Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. But I, I do really love that you said if you have an RV and I, I, I know people have done the tenting in the backyard, which I think is really cute and fun. And that's always good. But you are right. If you have the RV and you can't take it out every weekend, at least transition from the house to the mindset, because it really will. It is a mindset when you're inside the RV, even if it's in your own driveway, it will, you will decompress. I think that's the word I'm looking for. That's yes, what will happen that's to you. the right word. Absolutely. And you know, everybody's rig has a smell and you'd be surprised when, when you associate your brain associates that specific smell to vacation, you walk out, it's in your, even if you're coming home from work and you, you decide, Hey, tonight we're going to sleep out in the motorhome or we're going to sleep out in the camper. You walk in there, that smell, you are relaxed. It's no different than smelling a cup of coffee, to be honest, or, or a good cold beer. You, you, you take a smell and you're like, oh yeah, I remember, you know, this is where I belong. Right, no. <laughs> so, I mean, it is an instant relaxation feeling. And so it's so worth it to do that. 
Yeah. And I've always said I'd rather take a crowded campground over a weekend in my own house any day. I just feel like there's just something different about being in the RV and there is something different. It's hard to explain that you just, and I know some people look at these RVs that are RV parks that are crowded is like, I would never want to do that. That's great. You have boondocking, you have mooch docking, you have resorts that are spread out. There's so many options for everyone. We always go back to, there is no right or wrong way. There's just a way that makes you feel good and comfortable and find it, do it. Now, normally here kind of in the wrap up, I like to do a high low, which might be a little different because you're technically not full time and you have a ton of experience and you're working towards that. But if you don't have a low in and around full time, is there something that really just maybe scares you a little about, let's say, getting rid of the, the house and the business and going full time in an RV? The only thing that scares me is the fact that we'll be two women on the road and we, we will not carry firearms. Um, I know a lot of people do, and that might be kind of a weird thing to bring up. But it's also a reality, um, especially as females on the road. I'm not willing to. I know I have a right to. I'm not willing to. I don't want that in my life. So I guess some of that unknown, we just, you just have to be extra, extra wise, extra cautious, make sure that the people you're meeting get to know you, but you can't open the whole book to these strangers. So um, I guess that might be a low. The other low would be me not having a hard set date. Let's go back to that. (laughs) You know, I I don't know. Um, And the not knowing is stressful, although I don't carry it around as a big stress. But, you know, I want to get there. And when is it going to be? It would be great to have a a date on a calendar, even if it's 10 years away. It would be great to have a date and know that's it. Uh, The not knowing, that's kind of hard because it is a desire. You know, I look at this motorhome every single day and think one day. One day, one day, one day, every day, one day, one day, one day. When is that day? I want that. So it's something that I want, want, want. Um, and it's going to happen. But it, it is hard not knowing when that is. True, but it's not. It, you know, you have variables that, you know, it's not like you could just up and leave today. I mean, there's a the home that has to be going through. It has to be sold. There's a business that has to be transferred and sold. That's a lot of work and effort. You might have the means right now, the vehicles right there, you could, you know, up and go and then hope those things work out later kind of a thing. But the time pressure yeah. is, is real. It, it'll happen. I'm going to need 60 days to get out of here. Right, right. And then even if it did miraculously like sell really quick, at least you already have the RV because there's other people that their transition could be worse. It could be like, well, we can't buy an RV till we sell the house. That would be really stressful to me, I think. That would be stressful. Yeah, you're one leg up. (laughs) But I want to go back to the firearm safety thing, because I think it's a good point, is that I see people ask this in Facebook groups, like, hey, when you guys are boondocking or when you go exploring, you leave your camper, do you feel safe? And someone always says, well, I have a 357 and a Rottweiler (laughs) to protect it. And I'm always like, like, they're asking you when you're gone from your rig. So first of all, do you have a gun that can shoot by itself? Because I haven't heard of those. And that would be interesting. Let me know. And you leave your dog behind and those people will be like, no, no, we take the dog with us. Okay. So you take the dog and the gun with you. How is that protecting your thing when you're gone? And then they have this moment of like, oh, I see what you're saying. I've been on the road three years. Um, knock on wood. I haven't had anything stolen. I haven't had anything really even weird happen. I mean, of course, I've heard stories and seen things and stuff of that nature. It really is a community that looks out for each other. That's for sure. But I don't even know. I, I'm with you on the sense that I just don't know how much a firearm would help in a situation like that anyways, because we've had situations where one of our alarms are going off in the rig and 
our battery had died. And I swear to you, I couldn't get my thoughts together for like five minutes. Like I just didn't know what was going on and it took forever. And I was like, man, if someone was breaking in, I don't know if I even would have had the, the thought to, okay, get the gun, load the gun, now point the gun. Like, I just don't know if I would even have had that moment. And I don't think it should be a deterrent. I, I think there's a lot of people that travel without firearms. There's a lot of people that travel solo. There's a lot of, you know, females that travel solo. There's a lot of, you know, couples that travel. I just don't think it's a deterrent, but I can see how it can be like, you know, this could be scary, but I got to be honest, after three years, the community is fantastic. Granted, I'm a big guy. I'm six, six, ton of tattoos, big beard. I think I could, you know, get most people to go away just by me opening the door. (laughs) Kind of a thing. Say hello to my little friend. (laughs) Exactly. Like if you're going to rob an RV, you're not going to pick the the biggest guy in the RV park to rob. But I'll be honest, I saw this a few years ago. I don't know if you remember, we, there was a couple that were, that were murdered while they were boondocking. Yes. I remember this. And I just remember the comments being, this is why I don't boondock. This is why I would never boondock. And I remember thinking, you do realize whatever city you live in, there are people that are murdered every day. There's nothing you can do to get away from that. I have not heard of a couple boondocking being murdered since. This was such a one-off. This was a guy that was, you know, trying to leave the country, leaving Utah to get to Mexico. And he befriended these people and they had firearms and they had dogs, you know, and this was like a retired Navy, I think, kind of guy. So this is just someone that you, when you befriend you and you're friends with someone, you're not expecting that to happen, but it shouldn't stop the world from going on. I mean, I think we should you know, acknowledge them and know it and just be, we can all be sad about it. But just when I kept hearing, this is why I'll never boondock on the beach. And I'm like, where do you live? Give me your zip code. Cause I want to look up and tell you the horrific things that have happened within 50 miles of your home. And are you paranoid about living in your home? And most people be like, no, and it's, it's all relative to just how you're doing your mind. So that's true. And, and there's always a backstory that we don't know what was really going on. We don't know what took place and led up to that there, you know, you never know the full story especially on mainstream media, you never know the full story. So that's definitely not a reason to either not go or, or say that that's a reason why I'm never going to do it, you know, for a, a one-off incident like that. It's good to hear your input on the firearm thing because I don't feel like I need that, but it's just, I have to be aware of security and safety. And I am in a lot of like Facebook group forums and stuff with full-timers and um, just, just the experience I have alone. Campers are amazing. I mean, I get to know campers better than my own neighbors at the house. Without a doubt. I always, I, I make the joke. If you're not meeting people, pop a tire off the rig. People will come out in droves. Exactly. Oh, they'll come flooding over. Without a doubt. But if you, if you live in a bricks and sticks and you start working on your gutters, your neighbors aren't coming over. They see a ladder. They all go in the house. Nobody wants to help. It is a different community that way. I 100% agree. And I think you'll, and what I love about it is that you're being transparent though, enough to say it, but I know it's not going to stop you. It's just one of those things where it's like, it's something we're thinking about, something we're worried about, but there are really smart precautions, you know, where, you know, there's people that you need to be in touch with who you can say, Hey, look, if I haven't checked in with you in a day or two, something's wrong. You can do all kinds of, you know, you let your family and friends know when you're going boondocking, Hey, we're going to go out in this area and we're going to be out there for about three days. And it wouldn't probably be something you would think of. It's something you wouldn't think of where the truck would break down. There's no cell reception. We're eight miles into the woods. Now what? But I do love the transparency because I think there's a lot of people that, you know, they, they think it, but they don't say it. And I'm glad you said it because then we can just all talk about it. And it's just one of those things that whether you live alone, whether you live with, you know, it, two females living in a house together, two males living in a house together, everyone can get worried about what happens and it's no different than an RV life. RV life's the same. Yeah, I, I would agree. And maybe even better because the neighbors are usually way more friendly. 
Yeah. And I, look, I'm from Los Angeles. I locked everything for the first year. Like I locked the hitch in my truck. I was locking everything up. And then I just stopped doing that because I just didn't see it even. And it's not to say that things aren't stolen. I've seen that too. I've watched YouTube videos where someone has a generator stolen or a bike stolen. It happens. Maybe they needed the generator more than me. Maybe they needed the bike more than me. You know, like almost have that mindset. Don't spend your whole time locking and unlocking things because the one thing I love in the RV community is that locks are just there to keep the honest people honest. Because if someone really wants what you have, they're getting in. You know, these aren't fortresses. These are RVs. A lot of them just have master keys. You know, I probably have the key to someone else's Yeah, they rig. do. Yeah. <laughs> all of the compartments, all the storage compartments are on these little flimsy silver keys. We all have the same key. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's just to keep the honest people honest. Exactly. It yeah. really is. So let's talk about some highs. I mean, you've done a lot of camping and vacation. And what's been kind of a good high for you in this lifestyle? You know, this lifestyle, my favorite, my favorite thing, and this all this brings me a high because of the feeling you get is when, when we just did this in June, we had five days and all we said was we're going in the motorhome and we're going North. We left, we had no plan going away on a little trip on a side, a side gig with no plans, except we want to go in that direction. And I don't want to get farther than X number of hours away from home because we got to be back in four or five days, whatever it is, even if it's two weeks, if you don't have a plan, it's awesome. You can figure out, you can, you know, figure out, you can use apps on your phone where you're going to boondock. We, we did five days in the UP and didn't pay for camping one time. We were able to figure out where we could park. Um, there's casinos up there that you can plug in for free. You don't have to get a campsite, not all of them, but some of them. Um, of course, Sam's and Walmart's parking lots, you make sure that it's, it's legal and available in that township. But having the, the high for me is being able to take a vacation like once a year, even once every two years, where there's no plan. All you know is the clock today says three o'clock Thursday, and I got to be here three o'clock next Tuesday. Let's go. I'm free. That's a huge high. I will say that the planning, I feel like when we have reservations, let's say, because we, we do a lot of thousand trails. And so for people that don't know, it's like your, my plan is I have to be a two weeks on and then I have to be a full week outside of the system before I can come back to a thousand trails. And there's been plenty of times where during that week, I'm staying on someone's property or, you know, boondocking and we get out there and we find out I've had numerous times where I've booked two, three nights at someone's property and they've said, you know, you could stay a week or two if you want to. And I'm like, yeah, of course I want to. But sometimes the plan is stops me from doing that. And it would really bum me out because especially if I had like a reservation at a state park where I won't get refunded. And it's like, oh, I hate that part of it. So I'm learning even to be even more fluid, you know, moving into 2020 because these opportunities really come up. My last guest that I had on, they talked about that too, that they stay in a town till they feel like, okay, it's time to go. Like they don't have an end date. And I love that too, you know, and it's just... But I know there's people that are listening that their whole life is planned and, and there's nothing wrong with that. My grandpa was that guy. I remember leaving Orange County and he had like the minute by minute where we'd be at a rest stop when we would arrive in San Diego. This was before GPS. This was before any of that kind of stuff. And But he was an engineer. So he loved the planning that brought him joy. So I totally get that side of it. But the not planning and just going with the wind is pretty amazing. I will agree with you 100% on that. It is. And, and if anybody's listening who hasn't tried that yet, give yourself the chance to try it. Just try it. Just try it one time. Even if it's just a weekend, do two nights, three days, two nights, weekend, go away, no plan. And then figure out when you, when, when you get wherever you want to stop driving, 
figure out what's there to go see. Where can we park? What do we want to go look at? You know, it's a, it's a great thing. That, that would be so much fun. I mean, it's a little different with a 40 foot long, 13, almost 14 foot tall rig. There's a little bit of like route planning that you need to do. But if you are someone that's listening, that's just got a weekend car and you're doing like a staycation, the idea of packing up everything, getting in a car and then saying, okay, now where to? And like just pulling out a map and like, you know, what if we go into this area? Let's try it and let's get on the road and figure it out. Find some cool old motel, find some cool little camping spot that maybe you never even heard of or thought of is really cool and interesting. I'm glad you brought it up. That's a lot of fun. Before I let you go, I want to make sure people know where they can find you. If someone wanted to find you online or, you know, if you're, you know, just documenting kind of your adventures or whatever, where can they find you? So we have a brand new, well, we've got a brand new Facebook page and a brand new YouTube channel. We're, I'm just dabbling with the YouTube channel thing. I have no goals with it. It's really for fun. It's, you know, we're kind of silly. We have a lot of adventures along our route. So you can find us at YouTube. We are called RV Journey. It's all one word, RV Journey with Amy and Amy. And it's A-M-Y and A-I-M-E-E. If you want to find us, it's much easier to Google us. You'll find both pages that come up. Google at sign RV Journey AA. And I'm going to link all that down below so you don't have to try to remember the spelling either and stuff like that. You can just click on a link. Yeah, it'll take you right there and they can find you and ask questions. People are going to want to follow possibly the journey of this because you are someone that I had, you know, one of the first that I've had on the show that still own the home, still have the brick and mortar business, have to figure out the transferring of that. They want to get rid of both of those, sell both of those off and go full time. So it will be fun to see how this works out for you and how long it takes and just kind of some of your ups and downs in it. But um, I want to say, yeah, and I want to say thanks for coming on the show. It's really great getting a different perspective of kind of like the early part of the transition of this lifestyle. Thank you very much. Yes, if you can, that's part of the reason we did the YouTube channel is because I know that's coming and we're going to document all that. So I don't like, I don't know how many years out it is, but you're going to see it eventually on there. And until that, if it's anything motorhome related, we put it on the channel and make it a fun little video. So. Thank you very much for having me on today. It's, it's fun to know I brought something new to the, you know, to the, to the mainstream topics that normally get covered, but I really appreciate you having me on and um, look forward to following rootless living. It's a fantastic magazine. It's beautiful. I'm an art person. It is beautiful what you have going on. So great job on that as well. I appreciate that. Well, Amy, do me a favor, say hi to Amy for me and uh, hopefully we'll see each other on the road someday. That sounds great. Thank you so much. And we'll see you guys on the road. Well, another fun episode. And again, a big thank you to Amy for coming on the show and giving us an insider's look at what it's like to start planning while still finding time to travel and get the most out of her RV. Feel free to reach out to her or follow her adventures in the links in the show notes. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living, we'll share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. And let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.